Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 17, Forest. Make sure you've listened to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track 6 off Regional at Best. Today is a special Seaster episode. Yay! And what's your name? My name is Cassidy. So, getting into the questions, how do you know me? (laughs) Well, I saw you, well I didn't see you when you were born, but I've known you since you were born. (laughs) (laughs) How did you find out about 21 Pilots? I think I first heard about it from our brother, Charlie, because I think he was the first one in our family who listened to them, right? Yeah, and they came to Lansing, and we didn't even know who they were. Yeah, I don't think I knew who they were. I was trying to remember. I think I started listening in, like, 2013 or 2014, maybe. You did? I didn't listen till 2015. Ooh, I beat you. (laughs) Did you have friends who listened? I don't think so. I think, honestly, because what I would always do is I would go on our iTunes when I was home from college, and I would pick up songs that, like, Charlie had bought or any songs that were on there and put them on my old iPod Touch. I remember that. Yeah. Because you made all those Young Life playlists, and you were asking me for songs. Yep. So I think I was just, like, trying to get songs that were maybe popular. And I think I remember the only first two songs I put on there were Holding On To You. Mm-hmm. That was, like, one of their first big ones, right? Mm-hmm. And then House of Gold, I remember that one, too. Mm-hmm. I think those might have been the first two that I started listening to. And then I really started listening more, obviously, once we went to that concert, which, what what mm-hmm. year was that? That was 2016. Okay. Yeah, because before that, I don't think I really listened to them, like, religiously. It was more just Mm -hmm. songs here and there. Did you listen much before the concert? Or did you not really know any of the songs at the concert? I listened to some. Because what was out at that point? Stressed Out was not out yet, was it? I think that album had just come out in the fall. Okay. But yeah, I definitely got, like, then after we went to that concert, I started listening to them way more. Yeah, I remember after we talked about them a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Have you talked about that before? So, I don't know if people know, but we were, all four of us siblings went to a concert together in Detroit, Michigan. Mm Mm-hmm. I mentioned that was my first concert. I don't know if I mentioned we all went together, but that was cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I wrote about the car ride in my memoir class. We had to write a dialogue piece, and so I wrote about that. I think I remember that. Because Dylan swore or something, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) And both you and Charlie were like, Dylan! Yeah. (laughs) And then she was mad because we were late to the concert. And she missed mute math. (laughs) Exactly. Right when we sat down, they finished, I think. Yep. Do you have a favorite album? Favorite album? Probably Vessel. I feel like that was the one I listened to the most. 
Mm-hmm. And then I have a hard time remembering which songs are on which, but my favorite song is probably Migraine. I listen mm-hmm. to that a lot. Yeah, I remember we both loved that song. I have a memory. For some reason, I like listened to that song on repeat when I lived, when I first moved to Grand Rapids. I lived in this little house and I was building a bookshelf. I was building my own bookshelf outside and I listened to that song like on repeat while I built it. So it's just that song? Pretty much. (laughs) And now it reminds me of that. Do you still have the bookshelf? I do. How does 21 Pilots inspire you or do they represent anything to you? I think just the honesty of the lyrics it's always seemed like they very much you know are open and talk about tough stuff whether that's mental health issues or Mm -hmm. um, just things that people relate to that it's not like your basic lovey-dovey everything's good all the time type songs Mm -hmm. and their love songs are creative too exactly yeah Mm -hmm. do you have any favorite memory related to them i know the concert was a big one yeah definitely the concert and the bookshelf story too is a memory (laughs) um i do remember too you playing the piano trying to play which song were you playing tear in my heart yeah (laughs) you were trying to play tear in my heart on the piano at the cottage one summer that was fun didn't you record it on the what was that called on the gopro video yeah yeah okay so now we're gonna get into forest and this song reminds me of our concert too because i remember it was like one of my new favorites right when we went to the concert yeah they played the medley of older songs oh yeah starting off did you have any initial reactions with just the introduction or anything First of all, I don't know how much you talk about, like, music stuff, but Mm -hmm. just to preface, I know nothing about musical, like, as far as the tune of it Mm -hmm. or anything. Sometimes I'll just mention, like, if the sound reminds me of anything. Yeah, but, yeah, I just look more for, like, the lyrics and what I think the meanings are. Mm Mm-hmm. But... It's still, like, you can tell... It's just Tyler and Josh because it's almost all, like, electronic and then the drums, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's kind of a nostalgic-sounding song to me, or it almost sounds like with he comes in just saying, oh, and it just reminds me of, like, nature. kind of sounds like rain falling or something. Oh, that's a good point. So it kind of sets it up for him wandering around the forest. Mm-hmm. Have you seen... There's, like, a music video of it. Have you seen that? No, I didn't... Are you sure? I don't know if it's a, an official video, but there's this little video of him walking in the street, and then at the very end of it, he, like, is screaming. Have you seen that? Wait, yeah! Wait, was that forest? Yeah. Oh, I... Yeah. And I think it is kind of like a rainy type video. It does definitely have that mood. I can't remember. Was there any music in that video or just him singing? No, it's just him singing, I think. I don't know why this song always kind of made me emotional. 
Yeah. But verse 1, I'll just read that. I don't know why I feed on emotion. There's a stomach inside my brain. I don't want to be heard. I want to be listened to. Does it bother anyone else that someone else has your name? And then he repeats that line. So I guess the first thing I pulled out was just the emphasis on emotion and just thinking about like how people try to relate emotion to faith is kind of a weird dynamic. I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes people can try to put pressure on like having good spiritual moments. You have to be like super emotional or something. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Or like something I've always been self-conscious of, especially me and Cassidy both went to Hope College, which is a Christian college, but people will always like raise their hands and do all of that, which is good, but sometimes I like wonder how genuine that is or like That's if, so true. Yeah. If some people just do that because it looks like you're having a more emotional experience. For the appearance of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because the church we grew up going to also, that wasn't a huge thing there. And so, yeah, I remember that too, going to Hope and thinking like that was a new thing to see people visually worshiping whatever that looked like, mm-hmm. raising their hands or whatever. Well, and don't... yeah, it's easy to get inside your head and be like, are other people looking at me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I... There was a while while where I'd do that a lot, but then I was just, like, afraid I was caring more about people seeing me do it. So I've always struggled with whether I want to, like, do stuff like that during worship or not. Mm Mm-hmm. I also like how it goes on and talks about how he doesn't want to just be heard, but he wants to be listened to, and kind of how we ultimately desire that full understanding that God can provide and knowing us. Yeah. I was thinking too about how he, it seems very much like he's overthinking almost, like in being in your head too much. Mm-hmm. And just kind of that idea of like way overthinking things. And sometimes you get to a point where like you want to be listened to, you know, it's almost like you can spin out of control in circles just rethinking about things in your head over and over again yeah do you have any thoughts on why he would say there's a stomach in his brain i think of it as like yeah hunger for those thoughts like just constantly your mind wanting to constantly think about things and feed on emotion or whatever you're responding to in your situation mm-hmm. to the point of like overthinking it I don't know what do you yeah think? like it's almost like you're not satisfied by just being content you want to always be like worrying about something or yeah obsessing over something what do you think about I was gonna ask you just the bother of someone else having your name like what do you think that means as someone who's gonna have a baby soon i was gonna say that so yeah we are having a baby in july and it is interesting like having this responsibility of naming somebody and a name is so personal it's like you know you go by that name for your whole life 
and it's such a huge part of your identity. And so in a way, you want it to be this unique thing that is specific to this mm-hmm. new person that's coming into the world. Yeah, I just think that line in the song, it's a uniqueness, like wanting to be mm-hmm. unique. And when you really stop to think about, oh my gosh, how many other people in the world are named Cassidy? It kind of there you know, makes, so makes many you feel Annas smaller. Yeah, we but went... any Annas with an H? Yeah, actually, one of my friends had a mutual friend who spells it the same. Really? I don't think I've ever met another Anna with an H. I didn't meet her, just saw her name through Facebook, and we were both like, oh my gosh! Yeah, but it doesn't, I don't know that it has ever bothered me. I think it's more, do you think he's just talking about more of that idea when you start to think about it, you realize how small you are? Maybe. I could see it being either. I think it kind of, I saw it as connecting to wanting to be listened to, like, just wanting to be known and understood for who you are as an individual instead of, like, grouped with other people. Yeah. It's something only God can provide, I think. Like, as humans, we're kind of known for just generalizing toward people. Mm-hmm. So. That does make me think, too, and I thought about this earlier. I wrote this down about how... There's a part in Revelations where it talks about God giving you a new name. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've only read parts of Revelation. And I tried reading it, and I think... Do you I don't think... know if this is for... If it's, like, necessarily that this will happen for everyone, but it mentions, like, some people getting a new name that's written on a stone... And it's this, like, new name that only God knows, which I... It's just an interesting concept that, you know... And, like, God even renames people throughout the Bible, right? Like, mm-hmm. Abram becomes Abraham, and uh, Saul becomes Paul. Well, don't certain denominations do that with confirmation? Or is that oh, just... Oh, is that true? Is that just Catholicism? I don't know. I don't think people go by those names, though. I think they just have a baptized name or something. It's like a baptism name or something? Mm-hmm. That's a good question for the audience. If you know more about that, let us know. Yeah. I feel like I heard that somewhere. Anything else for verse 1? Um, I think that's pretty much all I had written down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, going into the pre-chorus... It says, I scream, you scream, we all scream because we're terrified of what's around the corner. We stay in place because we don't want to lose our lives, so let's think of something better. I thought, I mean, I always think of the ice cream line. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's a good, like, sad picture of how, like, this delightful thing over time can turn into just a fear of change. Yeah. And just as, like, it says we stay in place, and I feel like as we get older, it's a lot easier for fear to kind of freeze us up from doing things. Yes, I have a lot to say about that. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, yeah, that, I like how you're talking about how as we grow up, because that was something I thought a lot about as I was listening to it. It seems like there's this tension between childhood and adulthood and, like, 
like you said, this almost this innocence where you're not really afraid of things mm-hmm. and then where you get, you know, into more fearful situations that make you freeze, like you said. Well, um, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but in Slow Town, it's a similar kind of nostalgic song and he talks about how like when we're kids we just physically feel like we can do anything yeah exactly and I know I definitely and we've talked about this we're similar in this way of being overly fearful of doing the wrong thing or of making the Mm -hmm. wrong decision whether that's in our own minds or in the eyes of other people and how that's like a paralyzing fear that keeps you from moving Mm -hmm. forward. I feel Um, like as kids, though, you like always have strong opinions or you always have a quick answer for everything. Yeah. I don't think I was necessarily that way. I feel like you were more that way when you were a kid. (laughs) I was a picky (laughs) child. (laughs) Yeah. But definitely that's one of my biggest things that I struggle with is letting the fear of doing the wrong thing paralyze me. The fear of what's around the corner. It's like this unknown thing where you don't know what the future is going to hold if you make a decision this way or that way. And so it almost makes me not want to make a decision because then I don't have to face the consequence of it. That corner line reminded me, did you? (laughs) We had this weird puberty video in middle school. What? And the j- the jingle was just around the corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just that wanted to put that fun fact in. Oh, that's funny. I do remember that. Just around the corner. <laughs> Huberty, oh, no. Yeah, our, our older sister Dylan made up a song for me about puberty. Yes, she did. <laughs> but... We'll save that from you. Another time. (laughs) I think that was all I had for that part. Yeah, where did we end? What's around the corner? Was that the last line? Because we don't want to lose our lives, so let's think of something better. Oh, yeah, I did have something with that last line. A verse that that reminded me of was Matthew 10.39. That says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And that idea of clinging to your life, like you don't want to lose your life. Mm-hmm. And then the next line saying, but let's think of something better, because this is this freedom that God has offered us of mm-hmm. giving up control and giving up fear and letting, you know, that surrender bring true freedom where you're living true full life. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of that verse. Yeah, I think the whole song is kind of, so far, is like him getting more fearful and anxious. And so then it goes into the chorus, and the chorus is more just a reminder of truth. Yeah. And so it says, Down in the forest we'll sing a chorus, one that everybody knows. Hands held higher, we'll be on fire, singing songs that nobody wrote. And I think this is like heaven. Yes, I definitely agree. Tell me more. I think compared to everything else he's said so far, it's kind of the thing that is calming to his fears because it's bringing about just the perspective. I think, like for me... 
whenever I'm really anxious or fearful, it's also I'm kind of a tunnel vision with just what's immediately happening and I don't have any of that perspective. So the best way to get out of that with God is to think of the eternal perspective of and how that relates to what I'm going through. Yeah, it kind of makes things feel a little smaller when you think about it. Of this mm-hmm. eternal glory of like worshiping God and it's just yeah freedom that's the word I, it reminds me of is just total freedom mm-hmm. and I always like the image of fire related to faith always reminds me of that old song we'd sing light the fire at Riverview yeah <laughs> and just this image of just praising God and I think this kind of goes against the idea in the first stanza of like being super emotion based I think this is more like just genuinely praising God without feeling a pressure to like look a certain way or like there's no emotional pressure this time with singing and praising yeah well it says you know the singing a song that nobody wrote it's like this ingrained thing in us that it doesn't require you to overthink it. It's just this connected thing where we all have this desire in our soul to worship mm-hmm. this God. And yeah, I think that's cool. It makes it less emotional and more just like this thing, this burning fire inside of us that just can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. I think that's also like a powerful line from him of just how minute we are in comparison to God like just how they're singing songs that nobody wrote like there's no pride of us having created it because God's who created it and none of us can like boast that we did anything for that Mm -hmm. yeah that's good also too just having been now in this pandemic for over a year and not being able to go to concerts it's it makes me think about that that atmosphere of a concert is so unique right Mm -hmm. where you're everyone's singing and you can get into that space where everybody's just like living in this freedom of enjoying the music and just total happiness Mm -hmm. I think that's (laughs) why I've felt the most connected to God a lot at concerts because you don't see that often where everyone's united over something. Yeah. And everyone's just focusing on doing the exact same thing at the same time. Yes. It is very unique to that situation. And there's this huge crowd and you're all just, when you look around and everybody's just enjoying themselves and listening to great music, it's mm-hmm. it's so happy. And just like that image of dropping everything that you've been doing or going through and just being present at that time. Yeah. Any last thoughts on the chorus? I don't think so. So then verse 2, he goes in again, kind of back to his panic. My brain has given up. White flags are hoisted. I took some food for thought. It might be poisoned. The stomach in my brain throws up onto the page. Does it bother anyone else that someone else has your name? 
Yeah, I don't know that I have any more different thoughts. It, it seems very similar to that first verse. Mm-hmm. As far as just overthinking and your brain just, like, needing to spill out everything that's inside of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good depiction of anxiety, but also just, like, Satan and lies, how you'll be, like, with the chorus, just having a space where you're just feeling really good and connected with God, and then your brain just immediately can pull you back down again really quick. That's so true. At the flip of a switch, something can, some thought can catch hold and then makes you go down this whole path of feeling all those fears and anxieties again. That's so true. Well, something me and some of the people in my Bible study were talking about is our home church, Riverview specifically, doesn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I think some people sometimes forget, like, spiritual warfare is a real thing. Yeah, that's true. It's a battle for your mind, you know. that. What's that verse that talks about how, like, when you awake, you know, there's... It talks about the devil as, like, a lion prowling, waiting mm-hmm. to attack or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even when you awake and your mind comes alive in the morning, you know, you have two forces battling your thoughts and your attention and mm-hmm. it's like what am I gonna do today am I gonna <laughs> spiral out of control with all of these anxious thoughts and fears and get really negative and be a negative person today or mm-hmm. you know how can I realign my mind with the truth mm-hmm. I feel like thinking about emotion with faith is also hard too though because I don't know if you've been to any more, like, charismatic churches, but to me, Moran Park was a little bit more that way. That was a church over by our college, and it was very, like, the pastor would cry every week, and, like, I would get emotional, too, Mm -hmm. and it was just a lot more emotion-based, so... I don't know. I think that can be dangerous sometimes because we also can't always trust our emotions and they're not always necessarily from the Holy Spirit. Yes. And emotions, yeah, can be very fleeting and temporary. I also thought this was just the the rhythm of the way all these stanzas flowed together. I thought it represented well how in the midst of distress it's a lot harder to remember perspective as the person going through hardship like it's always easier for me to hang on to that eternal perspective and share it with people when they're going through hardship but when I'm going through hardship it's like like the chorus like you're kind of repeating what people have told you about that perspective but then Like, he turns around and is like, but I've taken some food for thought and it might be poison. Kind of like, I believe what you're saying, but also I don't believe you. Yes, that is a great point. I so relate to that. It is very easy when, like you said, when somebody, it's easy to speak that to somebody else, but way harder to believe it yourself. I don't know why that is. Why do you think? Because we know that our seasons always come to pass, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably also just spiritual warfare, like, constantly 
trying to fight just getting that tunnel vision. Yeah. And just those thoughts popping back up over and over again. And maybe a lot of it, too, is, like, lies with some of our insecurities. Things that have happened in the past, yeah. Things that, ways you've been hurt before that are hard to get rid of. So, I just thought this verse was a good example of how he's just gotten overwhelmed by fear again. But then, as the pre-chorus comes around again I thought it was interesting it like got more echoey and it kind of seems like more people are kind of joining in the chorus and the truth just by the way that he recorded himself in the background oh that's interesting I didn't notice that (laughs) yeah I think throughout the pre-chorus and the chorus again you can hear what's the word like when you sing it around you can hear him echoing in the back of himself. Yeah. Almost like it's this more powerful voice, more people saying it. Mm-hmm. And then going into the bridge, I'll read the first half, and then we can stop and talk about it. Okay. Quickly moving towards the storm, moving forward torn into pieces over reasons of what these storms are for. I don't understand why everything I adore takes a different form when I squint my eyes. Have you ever done that when you squint your eyes and your eyelashes make it look a little not right? And then when just enough light comes from just the right side and you find you're not who you're supposed to be? So now he's really (laughs) stressed again. Yes, well, and even the tempo of it, right, is, like, sped up, and it kind of has this feeling of making you feel anxious, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think, the squinty eye thing I struggled with, what exactly he was trying to do with that? What did you think about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, again, in general, it's also just a good tension between the pain in the moment and then the perspective we're supposed to have and I think in general I see him talking about squinting his eyes as I just thought of like narrowing your eyes and how that's kind of like being skeptical so he's almost I see it as he's almost trying to take these lies he's believing and trying to make someone else like be convinced that I don't know like someone else be convinced of them too like I feel like sometimes when you're going through hardship you're like but you don't understand like how hard this is I kind of see it as that type of thing yeah like why can't you see this the way that I see it and I think especially with anxiety like it's not often that Depending on the person, you'll go through a panic attack. So I think, especially with something like that, it just reminded me of that and how, like, you're just trying really hard to get someone else to understand the just panic that it feels like. Mm-hmm. The physical feeling of it or even the, the way it makes you see things. Yeah, like trying to convince someone that what you're going through isn't normal, I guess. Yeah. I've that... heard that before, how the, one of the worst things you could say to somebody is like, everything's okay, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. When, you know, it, it probably is, but from the point of view of the person in that situation, it is definitely not. Mm-hmm. And so you just want to be empathized with and someone to understand that what you're feeling even though it might not be the truth 
of the situation feels like things are really not fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like in those situations, I've you almost get more anxious because you're like, I wish someone understood how, like, internally I just feel so terrible right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's more of a symbolic thing than a literal thing with the squinting the eyes. But then I think it shifts when he goes on and he says, you find who you're not, you're not who you're supposed to be. And I think it was like he was getting skeptical and pessimistic, but then he kind of zoomed out again and caught himself and was realizing like, this is not what you're supposed to see. And then he goes on to say what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like he caught himself in the middle of believing lies. And now he's trying to get back to the truth again. Yeah. Do you think, too, I was wondering, like, it seems like most of these lyrics are the same person, the first person point of view, talking to themselves. But sometimes I wonder if there's lines put in there as if somebody were talking to them, do you think? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I was wondering when it goes on to say, I am supposed to be king of a kingdom, if that's really him talking, or... Yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. I mean, I think it could also be symbolic of how, like, we're bigger than all of this, like, we're actually children of God. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that part kind of confused me as well. Like, whose perspective were they speaking from? Mm-hmm. Is that going into the second half? Did we get to that part yet? No, so I can read the rest of it. He says, this is not what you're supposed to see. Please, remember me? I am supposed to be king of a kingdom or swinging on a swing. Something happened to my imagination. The situation's becoming dire. My treehouse is on fire, and for some reason I smell gas on my hands. This is not what I had planned. And then it goes into the chorus again. Yeah, the the king of the kingdom was the part that threw me off if that was him or not, but... Because, you know, of course you think God when you think king of a kingdom. But then that being tied with the swing part. <laughs> swing. And then God the swinging. House. Yeah. <laughs> and the tree house. Like, all of that just makes me think of childhood, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. This imagination and, you know, even when we were kids, you'd play, like, king of the hill or what were those games, you know? Mm-hmm. And you'd make believe, like, while you were swinging that you were going to fly to the moon yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah, it just all seems very much like this childhood and this innocence. And then the gas on my hands part makes me think, like, the self-destruction of that, mm-hmm. where now, you know, we've let this fear and anxiety take over in our people-pleasing tendencies, or whatever it might be that we've learned as we've become You're adults. telling me. <laughs> the people-pleasing tendencies. I just wrote a poem about that today. I saw that. Yeah, these things we pick up as we grow older that kind of steal that innocence. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, almost feel like we've done that to ourselves. We've kind of self-destroyed the imaginations and that freedom of being a child. Yeah, I just tied, like, the truths of who he says he's supposed to be and then going into, for some reason, I smell gas on my hands. It's almost like he kind of 
to me, sees that he's caused himself to wander away from God and believe more lies rather than truth. And he kind of caught himself in the midst of all of that. Yeah. So I think it's like all the imagination, but it's also can be a faith metaphor too. Yeah, that's a great point. And the the choice of, of doing that, right? Like it's our choice to kind of walk away and lose sight of the truth, right? Yeah, and I think I just relate to, and for some reason I smell gas on my hands, like you realize that you're not just a victim of what's happening to you, but actually like you realize you do have things you could or couldn't have done to help yourself too. Mm-hmm. But sometimes as an aftermath realization, you know, you can be oblivious while you're in the moment of making all these decisions. You know, some people even talk about that in looking back on relationships in retrospect that maybe weren't great or mm-hmm. things that they were doing, ways that they were living their life. It's sometimes hard to see in the moment what you're doing and that it's hurting you. But then mm-hmm. that realization of smelling the gas, like he says, or, oh, wait, I, maybe mm-hmm. I did contribute to that. In panic, you go into, like, this autopilot negative mode that it's just so ingrained in us. And then once you finally get that perspective, you realize that it wasn't helpful. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I said was how... He goes on to say, this is not what I had planned. And it kind of relates to this interview Tyler had where he talks about how, like, we know what the right thing to do is, but we can't always do the right thing because of sin. And I know George and Kate in a previous podcast, there was something else that kind of related to that idea, too, and how Paul talks about, like, I do what I don't want to do. Yeah, that's what that made me think of, too. What is that? I think that's in Romans, talking about this, the war between flesh and spirit, where you're, it's this battle of, gosh, I want to do the right thing, but Mm -hmm. sometimes we just don't. (laughs) And also just how we always try to seek control, but we ultimately can't have it. Darn it, we can't. (laughs) That's the hardest part. Will I ever learn that lesson? (laughs) That'll be a whole new lesson with a child. Right? I'm sure. I can't even imagine that. I'm sure that will teach me, though, about God's point of view of, you know, wanting us to to give up our control and not being able to. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you have anything else on the bridge? Um, I think that was mostly what I had written down. I did write down this end part between the bridge. That was the end of the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Between the bridge and the next, the sudden stop of, like, this tension building in the bridge. Mm-hmm. There's just this anxious music, and then the sudden contrast to the next verse and the sound of it. I don't know if you can describe this in more musical terms than I can. Mm-hmm. But I love that change. That's like my favorite part of the song, that shift in the tempo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how it just calm. It ends on a calm note, like he's finally believed the truths. Yeah. And I like how the ending it repeats, "Hands held higher will be on fire." 
because I think out of all the lines, those are the ones that kind of show that we are bigger than ourselves and just getting to worship God and also that our struggles are temporary. Yeah. Any last thoughts? Yeah, it's at the end of the song. It just goes into the chorus one more time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last thing I wrote is just that, I think I said this earlier, but the that verse, singing songs nobody wrote, just this thing that pulses through the core of all of us. Like, there's something in all of us that's connected, this unity and... Mm-hmm. What we think is the Lord. Some people, you know, maybe feel that but aren't sure what it is. But And then just, yeah, the, the visual representation of that, of everybody with their hands raised, mm-hmm. united in purpose. Do you have any thoughts on why he chose forest as, like, the symbol? I was thinking about that, and especially where it says down in the forest, if... I was wondering if you thought that meant anything specific, but... I didn't really I, think about the down part. Yeah. The one thing <laughs> the one thing it reminded me of, honestly, was, um, isn't there a concert called Electric Forest? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing it reminded me of, was <laughs> that, like, this concert of being in the forest and... Like, if this is alluding to heaven, though, I just wonder why it's a forest. Yeah, why do you think? I don't know. I feel like my first thought is just, like, I feel like everyone kind of has an affinity for nature. Like, something about it is very peaceful. And Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense because God created humans in a garden. That's a great point, comparing it to the garden. And And also... Sorry. No, go ahead. But also, like, thinking about 21 Pilots with trees, that's also a very spiritual song. And so yeah. I feel like somehow trees are very symbolic for Tyler of God and being near to God. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what kind of his experiences with nature, like what, he, and maybe he's talked about it before, but how, what role that has in his life, and in his songwriting, too, and in his spirituality, but. Well, I feel like even in entertainment, like, people always talk about horror movies are always set in the forest, because there's no, like, reception there or anything, so in a way, the forest is also, like, somewhere you can be still and not be interrupted by the world. Yeah, I mean, I love, I've always loved being out, being, outdoors like camping especially and being disconnected mm-hmm. and mostly for that reason because it it feels so it's this stripped down version of life right where you're you don't have all the noise of what's on your phone you don't have the noise of other people's opinions you don't have the noise of work and this list of responsibilities and mm-hmm. just all of these things that contribute to stress and anxiety and yeah, like, it just strips all of that away. Yeah, like being over uh, overstimulated by everything. Yes, yeah. And the forest also reminds me of, like, imagination. And me and Cassidy and Charlie and our neighbors used to make forts and little shrubbery around our road. Yeah, it wasn't even a forest. It was literally just shrubbery across the road. <laughs> But I feel like that's where kids go to be imaginative, too. 
Yes, definitely. And it is. It's like this whole other world where things are just, it's an escape from what is normal life. This... But not even that. Like, obviously, there's great things in normal life. It's not like normal life is all bad that you have to escape from it. But it's the, it highlights the good things of life, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, sister. Yeah, it's fun to talk about this kind of stuff. And we'll see Cassidy again, or you'll hear from her again. So now we have a story from our local dreamer, Addison. And she said, 21 pilots saved me from some really bad times in seventh grade. For context, one of my best friends was moving away, and my friend since fourth grade started becoming friends with another person, and I came along. I was struggling with feeling like I belonged, and I was questioning if I had any friends, and generally felt like the life was being sucked out of me. I began isolating myself from everyone around January, and especially February 2020, but I still listened to music and decided to listen to Goner and leave the city. Those two songs made me realize I wasn't alone and that I should be in control of my brain. In early March of 2020, I could feel myself falling again. I was scared of that. But quarantine helped. That's cool. I feel like I usually hear negative things about quarantine. Yeah, me too. It let me have a breather and not worry about friends. It made all the peer pressure and invisible audience go away. I also had so much time to listen to music while doing homework. I realized I don't care what others think of me. That's always a good lesson to learn. Yes, definitely. (laughs) It let me be who I wanted to be and let me have hobbies. 21 Pilots really helped me not to fall into a pit of darkness where I don't know how I could have returned. It helped that wave slow down and gave me time to get to shore. Well, thanks for that story, Addison. And I'm really glad that their music helped you and that you're coming into a better place now. I think their music's really great for that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I would like to hear from you. You can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 pilot story or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. And I think the rest of Regional at Best is available, so if anyone wants to hop on a song, you can. Do it. Yeah. (laughs) And if you'd like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. On Instagram, you can find me at Entrench underscore pod. I look forward to hearing from you. Tune in next time for Glowing Eyes. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, Entrench, you're not alone.